WHHH-FM Indianapolis. It's time to take a look at what's going on in and around Indy. It's Open Lines, your eye on the community on High 96.3. Hold up. And good morning to you, Indianapolis, from the Radio 1 studios. I'm Indy's newsman, Cameron Riddle, reporting to you live, along with some company in our building this morning. Tina Cosby is in the studio. Good morning, good morning, good morning, everybody. And Ebony Chappelle is here, too. Good morning, everybody. Community Queen Ebony Chappelle checking in here. Happy to be here this morning with you all. We have a big show today. We have a yes. lot that has been happening in the community. Anybody have an interesting week? Uh, yeah, I could say it's been an interesting week. Probably more interesting, you know, than others. <laughs> uh, it certainly has uh, been newsworthy. A lot happening. A lot of people talking and a lot of people um, having things to say. And by that, I mean the witness uh, in the Dre John Reed police action shooting that we have talked about since May 6th. For the very first time, the witness is speaking publicly, and she had that conversation for the first time with me. Um, I chatted with her yesterday, um, and we have an interview that we're going to air in its entirety. It is 18 minutes long. Um, The witness... um, was offered to me first uh, several weeks ago um, for an interview on this show um, by the law firm of Fatima Johnson. Um, They came and um, asked if we would like to have a witness on the open line show. Um, And I said, well, of course. And it took a couple of more weeks, but we were able to finally iron out schedules so that we could meet uh the condition was i could not reveal um the identity of the witness um and so with that um i agreed to speak with the witness this is the witness's first time speaking out publicly and to any reporter um but it is not her first time speaking out she has Uh, been interviewed by the Indiana State Police. That happened last month. Um, This witness is an official witness uh, for the law firm of Fatima Johnson. Um, And this witness um, is legitimate as it, they are and would testify, will testify if it goes to court, but have been under oath and uh, have spoken with law enforcement given um, what they saw. This person um, is really the only person who can tell you what they saw. They were the witness. We've seen uh, the the video of Dre John from his um, cell phone. Of course, we were watching that day on May 6th on the internet. We have seen some surveillance footage from the hardware store, or it's a, it's a lock, locksmith yeah, place yeah. um, there on the corner. But none of that still really gives you the full picture. Now, even though none of us were there, um, the witness is the person who can say, this is what I saw. And that is the very first time we are seeing 
the person fill in the gaps that we can't see on the video. Now, just because she says it doesn't mean it's true. It also doesn't mean it's not true. It's what this witness says they saw. Tina and Ebony, as you know, this has been a story that has made national headlines um, because we're just not getting a lot of detail into what happened. This has been a very slow-moving investigation when you compare it to Minneapolis with George Floyd or Atlanta with Rayshard Brooks. Different police departments, different states, different protocols, different resources. So it's it's slightly apples and oranges, but um, this is the first time we are now seeing yeah. some some forward progress. So, so Cameron, yeah. a quick question, and and to put it in in context for uh, listeners, um, the, the reason can you explain a little more about the reason that this witness has never been. Um, Known, the known witness made public or a person who said, because several people have said in various aspects and various phases of this particular incident that they have seen or that they did see uh, what happened. So can you put it into perspective for us and for um, our listeners? Uh, number one, why we were not aware of this witness before? And number two, uh, why uh, this witness is now being made available. And really quickly, Tina, I just wanted to piggyback on your question as well, because I had a similar one. Um, I actually learned about this witness this week, um, along with a lot of other people. So I had a similar question as to how, you know, this came about at this particular time. Right. So um, this, let's, let, me add, let me answer the second question first. A few weeks ago, back in July... Um, Fatima Johnson's team reached out, uh, this, the same team that we've mm-hmm. all talked to uh, yeah. since May 6th and said, hey, I have a witness. Would you like to speak with a witness? I said, sure. Now, of course, all of this happened. You're hearing about it today and you're hearing about this interview this week. But this has been weeks in the making for me to speak with this person. Um. And so it just became timely, not in my control, that it happened the same week they were going to have a press conference and the same week the autopsy report came out. Um, as you know, the attorney's uh, team has had a difficult time getting details, getting information out there. And as as you'll hear the witness say, she's speaking, he or she, by the way, I, I'm I'm saying they and just because I slipped and said she doesn't mean it's a she. Um, it very well may be a man, but you won't know because I've disguised their voice. So I'm keeping it at they. Um, they say they are speaking out now so it, because they feel that it's just going to be swept under the rug if they don't speak out. But obviously there was a concern for this person's safety um, from a number of places this is a well, national the attorney, story yeah, the law firm yeah the, the firm itself and uh the, you know the, the process of discovery the law firm is in the middle of a, a federal lawsuit mm-hmm. um and so a number of uh, a number of factors are uh you know a, in play and Absolutely. Uh, the fact that um uh the witness has given sworn depositions uh or sworn testimony i should say uh, to uh, Indiana State Police, is yes, that correct? that is correct. Is, now, is that sworn testimony, or is that because it, it, state police aren't, uh, you know, they're not a judicial Well, but the state, but when you are speaking, if you give a deposition. Um, she gave a deposition. Uh, when you, she when you speak in one of these, you are under oath. 
Okay, in in terms of the investigation. Yes, because this is what could lead up to a trial. Uh-huh. Um, so you have to give factual information, even and and I and I've been deposed before. Right, right. And even we when you're not speaking, um, so like I've been deposed with a lawyer. Yeah. And yeah. and even then, what you say is you swear that you're going to tell the truth. But a deposition is different than being interviewed by the police department. Right. Right. But I'm saying either way, mm-hmm. you are promising to tell the truth because what you say is on the record and could it's end up in record. a court of law. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's a sworn deposition, though, when it's a sworn deposition. So, yes. Yes. So but I'm telling but I'm I'm telling you either which one doesn't matter. He, she, both. Both. I don't know. What is it? He she. We don't know. It's they. They. OK. OK. I'll say they. <laughs> I'm just going it, by what you say. So what I'm telling you is it doesn't matter what you call it. Mm-hmm. The um, the rule is the same, mm-hmm. that whatever you say here in front of me could be used against you in a court of law, just as the same as when you talk to a police officer. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, the, and the reason I was asking that, I, w- I want to follow that up with, in, in terms of in Indiana State Police, what is their position on the law firm releasing this witness to speak publicly to the media? Yeah, very they, important question. They have no public position. Um, before airing this, we have reached out to the Indianapolis mayor's office, um, Randall Taylor's office, Kendall Adams, mm-hmm. the coroner, and the state police who is speaking, who only speaks on behalf of the special prosecutor to let them know this is airing. Um, each were invited to give some sort of response, but um, they can not respond because this is an active investigation. The only um, thing that I got besides an acknowledgement from each party, which was simply either a, hey, thanks for the heads up or a thank you or okay, was from the state police to say, of course, as you, as they said, as you alluded to, um, we have no um We cannot comment on this at this time, but we do ask anyone else who may have information or evidence um, to speak forward as this Mm -hmm. witness has. And something important, I think, to add here is that all of this information is um, being used by the special prosecutor in this case that is leading the investigation. And that is Rosemary Curry. Um, She's also a black woman and she um, is a deputy in the Madison County Prosecutor's Office who is handling this case, um, I did read that they have asked the family to keep the details of the autopsy confidential. Um, And that was something else that came out this week, along with the um, statement from the witness that we have heard about and that we will hear later on. Um, There will be no later on. It shall be now. All right. (laughs) uh, That you will hear from the first time from this witness again, Their voice is disguised, so you will hear uh, some of the audio change a little bit between going from my normal voice, because if not, I actually have a very good monster voice when you hear it altered. Um, So you'll hear it go from my normal voice to the witness's altered and disguised voice. This is a a full-length interview um, with the witness for the Dre John Reed um, shooting that happened back on May 6th in an exclusive interview. On open lines. Witness, take us to May 6th. What happened? On May 6th, um, I was driving on 62nd Street in Indianapolis, Indiana. Um, I was going east towards Michigan and I stopped at the red light facing 
the Michigan Road. Um, I acknowledged that a car had pulled into the Ace Hard parking lot, or yeah, the Ace Hard rear parking lot from Michigan Road. Um, and then about five seconds later, maybe, I saw a man trying to cross, running, trying to dodge traffic to cross Michigan Road. Um, then a cop as well was following him. <clears throat> and then they were running when they got toward, they got into the grassy, grass field area and were running. And the officer shot Drejan and he fell to the ground and was convulsing. Looked like a seizure, seizure, sorry. Um, and then the officer then drew his gun while he was on the ground and shot him multiple times. And yeah. Um, as you're sitting in your car at the light and you see who we now know as Dre John running across the street and Officer Mercer running behind him. How close or apart were they from each other? About 10 to 15 feet. Um, and when they were running, um, we know that Dre John had at least a t-shirt and at least a cell phone in his hand because we were, that's how we saw it on Facebook Live. Do you remember what the officer, did he have anything in his hands, a gun, a taser, or was he just running? At first he was just running, um, and then he pulled his taser out, or what I know now to be his taser. Mm -hmm. um, and as they're running, um, what, does, what does traffic look like? Because you're sitting at the red light, and that would mean... There was a green light for traffic to move north and south on Michigan. So, did, how did they get across the street? What was that like? It was kind of chaotic. It happened really fast. Um, one car did stop pretty fast. Um, but it was there was cars. There was a lot of cars at that point. Um, most people were stopping. Mm -hmm. so. So they would have had to dodge some traffic? Yes. Um, as they get across the field, because they're coming from your right, if they're coming from that ACE building, they're on your right-hand side. And straight across is that field at the library where there's now a memorial. Um, is that where Dre John's body dropped? Not exactly at the memorial, but near there, yes. Um, so as they're running, we hear Dre John say something to the police officer. Um, what happens in that moment? Um, I don't know what he said exactly, mm -hmm. um, but he kind of looked... Fearful, I guess, when he was saying it because he put his head back. I did see that. Mm -hmm. And then he just kept running. And it was like he kind of got faster. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, that's really all I could have comprehended from what he said. 
But in that moment, when you say he looked at the officer, he's running forward, but looking backward. So his body is still going. He's still in motion. Yes. Yeah. East toward through the field. Um, but his, his, head, his head was back either one way or another to say what he said to that officer. So with that, did you ever see in this motion of running, Dre John turn around? Did his body ever come? Was his body ever facing while they were running, while they were on their feet, ever face the officer? Did he run toward the officer? Did he do anything to come to change the direction of which he was going toward the officer? No. He never went towards the officer. Reports say that uh, Dre John allegedly um, fired his weapon at least twice. Um, there are reports that say the officer fired his gun at least 10 times. Um, did you see Dre John fire his gun? No, I didn't. Reports say that Dre John had, had this gun that is extremely identifiable and whatnot on his body. As the witness and, and seeing it, did, did you ever see Dre John even appear to reach for a gun or anything that could have been in his waistband? Did you see him reach at all for anything while, while he was running? I never saw him reach for anything while he was running. So, as Dre John is running, he's then tased by Officer Mercer. What happens when he's tased? He fell down to the ground and started shaking and convulsing. Um, he just looked like his body was out of, like he didn't have motor skills. Like he was shaking like a Caesar. Would you say that he was still running while he was tased, or would it have been more immediate that he fell to the ground? Um, I mean, he probably took a step or two and fell to the ground, but I could also, yeah, I mean, it was almost immediate. Mm -hmm. As you're still sitting at the light, you still have the red light, um, you, you, they're, they're getting, of course, they're, they're further away from you than they would have been at the ace, but you, have an unobstructed view of what's going on. There are no buildings, there are no trees. Um, there's not really anything over there that would have blocked your view. Um, so as Dre, John bodies, as Dre John's body falls to the ground, you say he's convulsing. And describe um, what 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 that what that means? What what are those body movements? Erratic, uncontrollable movements. Um, like they were, like his body was in distress. Mm -hmm. Is it possible at all that if his body's in distress, he he's 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 flopping around? Mm -hmm. Is in that means his maybe his arms and legs are flopping around as well. Kind of. It was mostly his torso. Okay. Um, like, so, and they were his arms and hand, 
legs were moving with the, what his torso and okay. main part of was doing. Okay. Um, and, and I don't know if this is an accurate description, but it almost kind of sounds like a fish being out of water, kind of flopping around. Right. Um, as he's flopping around, is it possible, in your opinion, as the person who was there to witness, that the officer could have mistaken Dre John's arms moving around at all for reaching for a gun that may have been in his waistband? I mean, of course it's possible that the officer could have thought that. Um, but from what I saw, he didn't seem like a threat at any time, especially when he was on the ground. Um, and as an officer, I believe that he should have not murdered him and detained him. And if he did have a gun on his waistband, then he should have disarmed him. Um, how close would you say by the time when, when Dre John falls to the ground and where the officer is, how far or close are they to each other? About 15 feet when he tased him and then he did walk a few steps before, um, so. What, what could you hear from that distance? I only heard the gunshots. You're sitting in your car, of course. Are you in your car alone? Yes. Um. Were your windows down? No. Okay, so it, it, it could have been difficult for you to hear talking or even yelling from that distance over what would have been um, traffic still flowing and sirens. Um, but you obviously were able to hear gunfire, right? Yes. <clears throat> um, so, as Dre John is laying on the ground convulsing and the officer has tased him, could you tell that it had escalated from a tase to a gunfire? Like, could you, and, and I don't know in the moment if you would have known what was going on, but clearly you saw him fall and then you heard gunshots. So, I, I guess the question for you is what escalated that we went from being tased to gunfire? I'm not sure what escalated. Um, like I said, I don't think that it was right and I, or reason, there was no reasoning for him to have the gunfire. I've been at 62nd in Michigan many, many times now, since May 6th. Did the officer, was he able to, did he duck at all, or there's really nothing to hide behind over there? Um, because in the, in the video you hear someone say, OS, explicative. Um, it's not completely clear who even said that, and I know that you wouldn't have been able to hear that because you said you're, you were in your car across the street, your windows were closed. But it seems to be there was, was something in that moment that took things to another level. 
And what you're saying is Dre John was on the ground. The only thing that changed was that the officer took another step or two. But Dre John was never able to get up. So it, there are some theories that say that's the officer saying OS because he thinks Dre John is reaching for something. But you're saying that's impossible. Yes, I'm saying that there was no threat from Trajan. And you say that because you believe, if a moment ago you said he had uncontrollable movements, that would mean that you're telling me you don't believe that a person who is having uncontrollable movement is able to control his arm to reach for anything. Correct. Is there anything that showed Dre John pointing, reaching, arm lifted, anything in the direction of the officer? No, he never did anything threatening towards the officer and the officer was very, he just, he wasn't, he didn't look scared. But in that um, moment, you still believe that there was nothing that happened that Dre John should have been killed for? No, I don't think there was anything that Dre John should have been killed for. Now, when we talked previously, you told me that you think that Dre John could have been arrested and he could still be here with us now. Correct. Do you still believe that? Yes. You believe it was possible that he just could have been handcuffed and disarmed? Yeah. What is it that you want people to know about what you saw that day versus what is being said happened that day? That Sean was not he did not look like a threat at all. He did not shoot his gun. And that it was unjust what the officer did. And to his family and to these protesters who are in the streets and have been since May, what is it that you want them to understand about this fight? That it's gonna, it's gonna be a while probably and not to stop fighting for justice for him. If you're saying what is being said publicly is not the truth, then you are you would you tell them that their fight is worth fighting? Yes. And why is that? Because obviously they don't want them to know the truth and the people need to fight for our community and someone who was killed by our police force. To Dre John's mother, um, what would you say to her? That I can't imagine what she's going through. If I lost a child, I couldn't be doing what she's doing right now. But clearly you, you feel her pain. And I can resonate with her pain, yeah. And in that moment, I mean, you saw something that 
Um, probably feels like a movie. Um, I, I would imagine seeing someone get killed, seeing the police chase right in front of you. When you went home that day, um, I want to rephrase, when you left the scene, what made you leave? I had obligations to get to, mm -hmm. unfortunately. I, sh I should have stayed, in my opinion, uh, but that's not what happened. But you've, you have spoken uh, to investigators about what you saw. Yeah. And the only th the thing that actually caused you to leave would have been the light changing green. Um, no, I, st I stayed there for a second after it was green. Okay, okay. When you decided to leave the scene, which way did you go? South on Michigan. So you made a right at the stoplight? Yes. And as you're going south on Michigan, you, you said earlier that you heard sirens. So... What were, were things like, were you seeing police cars or? I saw a lot of cop cars coming towards the crime scene. And and then that's when you went home and did the rest of your life probably digested. I think you mentioned you posted on social media, just something. Yeah, I talked to my family and social media and I did reach out to people. So but you didn't record anything. No. And you're confident um, that what you saw is what happened, even if that differs from what some people say happened. Yes, I'm confident. And that was an exclusive interview here on the Open Line Show with the witness and the Dre John Reed police action shooting from May 6th. That witness, again, um, speaking to what they saw, to what they believe happened, to what they believed they witnessed. And as you hear, I'm asking all different types of ways based on the previous answer she gives. You hear me thinking, lots of us, because I'm, trying to digest what this person says to ask what the next question is. I had to do that in real time. You now have been taking notes and now it is time to see what your questions are and what it is we can continue to ask questions on in this case. Make your notes, get your questions in 239-9696. Tina and Ebony, we will be right back with more of the Open Line Show for your questions and comments. And then coming up at 9 o'clock exclusively on Hot 96.3, we will be talking with Dimitri Wynn, the mother of Dre John Reed. This will be her first live interview since you saw her on Wednesday when she was extremely upset about the autopsy results that she was given 10 minutes before that press conference all of that and so much more your comments your questions more of the open line show is next voice we are your eye on the community it's open lines on hot 96.3 we have
have the power to change the course of history and decide the direction of our communities and our nation. Be empowered to take action. The right vote gives us the power to hold those in office accountable. Fight for your vision of the future and make sure your voice is heard and that your one vote counts. Register today at newsoneindy.com slash vote. Brought to you by Urban One and One Vote. Represent the vote. Hello, your community queen, Ebony Chappelle here. I hope you're enjoying the show so far. want to remind you, if you've missed any episode of the show, you can go online to our website or anywhere that you listen to podcasts to catch up on all past episodes. This week, our community spotlight is the Indianapolis Urban League. For the past several months, the Indianapolis Urban League has held a food drive at their offices at 777 Indiana Avenue. Coming up on Tuesday, August the 18th, in partnerships with Box Jobs, Ted Hardy Presents, The Greatest DJs, Marion County Voter Registration, Indiana State Department of Health, they will be offering free COVID testing. So this is really important for those of you that haven't had a test yet and you're wondering about your status, you can go and do that at the Indianapolis Urban League from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. at the Drive Up to Come Up Community Resource Fair. Now, let's get back to those open lines. Let's get back to open lines, your eye on the community on Hot 96.3. Hi, this is Oshia Boyd editor of the Indianapolis Recorder newspaper and Indiana Minority Business Magazine. You're listening to Open Lines with Ebony Chappelle and Cameron Riddle. And we are back on the Open Line show on this Sunday morning with the exclusive interview uh, with the witness in the Dre John Reed IMPD shooting from May 6th. The witness speaking first with me in this exclusive uh, sit-down interview that we did just yesterday. Um, lots of questions on what went down, what didn't go down. Of course, you're hearing the, um, perspective now of the witness. You have heard what police say happened. You have now heard with one witness says they saw somewhere in there is what really happened. It may be some of what she says. It may be some of what police says. That ain't for me to decide. What we're telling you is what both sides now say happened. This is the first time we are hearing from what both sides say happened. Up until now, and I've stressed this, we've only been able to tell you what police say happened. Now, equally, uh, in in the form of, of questioning it, you have now heard what a witness says happened. Ebony and Tina, let's start with you. The phone lines blew up immediately during the uh interview when I told people to call. Let's start with you and then we'll go to callers. And then at nine o'clock, we will hear from Miss Dimitri when Dre John Reed's mother, Uh, Tina and Ebony to you. All right. Yeah. I had a feeling that um, we were going to get a lot of calls from this um, because it's, it's quite an explosive revelation. I know for me listening um, to this interview and some of the other things that I've seen floating around on social media, 
Um, I'm personally left with a little bit more questions than I have answers here. And I know that is what the community wants. Um, it's a very complicated situation that we're dealing with here. We have, you know, a young black man that has lost his life. Um, the officer that, that did the shooting is also a black man whose life will never be the same. You have a community that wants justice and a mother that has lost her son. There's so many different complicated facets to this and now we have this witness um, statement that does not line up with some of the things that police have told us about there being two different types of shell casings found there um, indicating that there were two different weapons fired and we're hearing this this witness statement that says something different so I'm left with more questions than answers I know that this is a a long process to do um, investigations and things of that nature. The special prosecutor actually has until next year to, to wrap all of this up. So, you know, I'm just wondering what are the police going to say in response to what's out there now? Well, the police aren't going to say anything uh, in no, response. It's not their point to say, it's not their place to say anything mm-hmm. uh, in response because they haven't said anything. Um, you know, I, I too had, had a, a lot of questions. And after hearing the, uh, the conclusion of the interview, um, I looked at Cameron and said, wow, there's a lot mm-hmm. to unpack here. Mm-hmm. And I think the difficult thing for a lot of people is going to be separating the emotion uh, from the reality. Mm-hmm. And my, yeah. cons- my question, I, I, too, had a lot more questions. And, yes, this witness had opinions about what happened, had opinions about what should, should or should not take place. But where this witness is valuable is not this witness's opinion. Mm-hmm. It's what mm-hmm. this witness saw and how whatever the witness saw that they want to testify to and swear to under oath, how that fits in with the picture that or the puzzle, mm-hmm. so to speak, yes. of the investigation. Mm-hmm. So I, 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 Ebony, Cameron, you guys, everybody, we are, everybody is absolutely correct that this is an emotional one. This is, uh, I, I, it's unimaginable pain. Uh, that Miss Wynn is feeling, and we saw that mm-hmm. uh, in uh, Wednesday when she had taken a, a cursory, a very brief look mm-hmm. uh, at the autopsy report. You know, your heart breaks for her; your heart goes out to her. But again, the value—if uh, there—if there is value—and and I'm sure that mm-hmm. there is—that the attorney gave to you the value of this particular witness's testimony is how that is going to fit into the puzzle that uh, they're constructing in terms of mm-hmm. what happened. And Cameron, you and I. Um, uh, during the break, we were looking because I was curious as to the view. Mm-hmm. I was curious as to the view mm-hmm. sitting at the stoplight mm-hmm. looking east. And I encourage this is what I did. Um, we I've been out there. Tina, you go past there all the time. If you have not been there while we're talking, yeah. pull up on your phone, go to Google Maps and drop down on the street view. Uh-huh. And as you were hearing, the w- witness is in their car mm-hmm. at the light facing yeah. Michigan Road facing the library. And as Tina's talking, listen to look and listen yeah. at what is there. Go ahead, Tina. Yeah, and, and what you see, if you're if you're at a stop mm-hmm. at the red light, what you look across and see directly mm-hmm. to the left is your is the library. Um, and then just looking into the field that's there, you see the sign that says the library, a couple of hedges, you know, some mm-hmm. trees. And you made a very good point that the, the landscaping uh, beyond that, it tends to go down mm-hmm. you know, it tends to hit. so that would that would that that 
points up questions as well. But again, I, and 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 I don't I don't want to speak too much longer because we want to hear from um, from listeners. But I I could not agree more with uh, Ebony and with you. This this brings up a lot more questions mm-hmm. than answers. It it it, it makes me qu- okay. Well, what about this? What about that? What? That's why I was saying there's so much more uh, to unpack here. But I I think it's important to hear. Uh, from all sides, and I think that that's what we have here is that we've heard from another side. Now, how does it all fit in? How mm-hmm. does it all go together? And again, we have to look at what is actually uh, proven in in terms of the the witness's testimony, mm-hmm. and what you know what sinks up, what doesn't sink up. We have to kind of separate that as far as a witness. Now, if this is the family and and everybody else, of course, um, emotion plays into that. So. Um, yeah, that you know, it's it's important that you know we we are hearing more, and that's mm-hmm. what the community has been clamoring for. Absolutely. We want to hear more. We want to know more. What about this? What about that? And is this the only um, the only witness that has come forth and given testimony I don't, to the police? Yeah, as far as that part is concerned, given testimony, I'm personally not sure about. I do know that there was another video circulating on social yes, media yes. months ago yep, yep, yep. with a it was a car with about three to four um, black women in it yes. sharing what they saw that day mm-hmm. as far as um, what they what they saw, you know, at 62nd and Michigan Road. So, um, yeah, it would be really interesting to know if there were others that gave yeah, a statement on this level. That's the first thing that came to my mind because, I, you know, witness testimony, more than one can be valuable, can mm-hmm. be incredibly valuable, especially when you put it. But anyway. Well, the, well be- I just want you to know, you don't have to speculate because I have that answer. Uh, several witnesses on uh, the Fatima Johnson law side, she tells me, mm-hmm. have spoken. They spoke last month. Uh, and in fact, I'll read you verbatim what she told me. Uh, we informed the special prosecutor of the witnesses we had. Witnesses. That's a discovery process. Probably. Witnesses. Witnesses, okay. We had. Okay. I told you one. We just talked to one. Let me read that again. We informed the special prosecutor about okay. the witnesses we had, and a couple of them have already spoken to the state police. Okay, okay. This witness was one of those interviewed by the Indiana State Police early last month, so early mm-hmm. in July. Mm-hmm. So, are there more witnesses? Yes. Um, are there witnesses on both sides? I would assume so. We you'd don't know. To, you'd have to think. We don't know what IMPD has, but no. let's get ready to go to the callers. Tina, you said it best. Now, this is a puzzle, and no piece of this yet is mm-hmm. going to solve everything, not mm-hmm. the autopsy, not the ballistics test. Mm-hmm. Um Each piece is another piece of the puzzle. And now for the first time this week, you've had two pieces of the puzzle uh, that people have been badly asking for. Mm -hmm. And that is more to what happened from a witness and more to what happened from the autopsy. Two new pieces to the puzzle does not put the entire puzzle together. But we know we now know more of what may have happened than we do seven days ago. Let's go to the phone lines, 317-239-9696, 317-239-9696, taking your questions and calls, comments, before we talk with Dre John's mother coming up. Uh, caller on line one, good morning. You're live on the air. Good morning. How are you guys doing today? Good. good morning, How Paul. are you? This is Paul calling. <laughs> uh, know your voice. And I know I'm, I'm going to be brief because I know we don't have that much time. Well, this whole situation about the police and and killing folks and all these different types of things, we never stop to actually examine what's really going on around us. I would like somebody to address 
who are actually threatening these people or witnesses. And I also want folks to realize that the uh, the people that are in, in power, they're empowered by violence and force and all these different types of things. And we must understand that if we want to handle something directly, and we need to handle it directly. So the media, some of the black medias and different things, certain things you guys can't say, y'all can't talk about, but I can. I have a new book coming out next week called The True Divine, and it talks about the invader. It talks about things that you guys can't talk about on the radio. We have to understand that we have a common enemy, and that enemy is still here, and that enemy is still uh, benefiting from their forefathers, and we have to stop these people, period. And what happens is people in the media, uh, in entertainment, all these different types of things, they marry and they engage with the enemy. So their seconds, thoughts are not clear. No, I'm saying that their thoughts are not as clear as it would be if they were just totally all black. Because seconds, we are being attacked. We are being attacked, period. We are being attacked. And we need to take action against these people. We need to stop what's going on. You already see that the people, the, the students are dying in the schools already. We have a lot of things going on here that need to be addressed directly. And we need people that's going to say, hey, this got to stop today. All right. Thank you, Paul. You're welcome. Have a great day, y'all. All right. One more call before we go to break. Uh, The phone line's still hot. Uh, 317-239-9696 is the number for this show. Caller on line two. Good morning. You're live on the air. Hello? Caller on line three. Good morning. You're live on the air. Yeah. Can you hear me? I can. Yeah. It's a lot of rambling. It's a lot of rambling in this city like that last caller. Uh, that happened, you know, that happened live, uh, live video. Uh, y'all trying to say, media trying to say, we don't know what's going on. We saw with our own eyes, and it is a lot of witness. And once the mother talked, it'd be more exposed. Uh, it was murder. He shot his face off. What more do you need? So um, the cover-up is media, and in this media right here, trying to act like we don't know what happened. Peace out. Uh, okay, that was a silly comment. Um because the only person you've ever heard uh, this media, don't call into my show with nonsense. Um, this media is the only one uh, actually giving you a witness. So move on with that. Take that down the dial. Uh, what time is it? 8.51. One more caller. Caller on line one. Go ahead. Hello? Hello. You're live on the air. Oh, how are you guys doing? Brother, I'm here this morning. All right. You got 60 yeah. seconds. Hit it. No, I don't even need that because uh, my, my position, I mean, Paul is kind of, I can tell he's a mature person also, and we've seen this. I was in L.A. after Rodney King uh, doing Stop the Violence and stuff like that. And I'm saying how I, how I feel. We'll never know <clears throat> the tr- true truth, the true truth about what happened because, you know, when it comes to the police, see, you have a man locked up for stealing a wedge hammer, a, 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 tripper, a trimmer in Louisiana, for 35 bucks, but when it comes to convicting the police, you have to have absolute, unequivocal, nonstop, tried and true, unassailable evidence. We got people locked up on circumstantial evidence all day long. All day long, my mother's an attorney. I got three attorneys in my family. Circumstantial evidence, they have gotten people off or people have gotten locked up. So instead of let's looking for this so-called unequivocal smoking gun, my mother would say, the circum- what does the circumstantial evidence 
say that many prosecutors have been used many years to lock black people up. Now, maybe sometime we can look at that point of view. What does the circumstantial evidence say that has been used against us for many, many years? And I'll leave it at that. Thank you. And uh, uh, Brother Imitep always uh, giving us context uh, that uh, is, is, is wide and long. So uh, there we have it there. So thank you, Brother Imitep. Uh, Cameron, I'll, 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 I'll defer to you. So uh, coming up, uh, remember, we will be hearing um, from uh, Dre John Reed's mother, Miss Dimitri Wynn, will join us uh, for the first time on this show um, in our 9 o'clock hour. Uh, we will be hearing from her, um, and we will also be joined by Miss Wynn's sister. Her name is also Tina, so we'll have two Tinas here. Mm, okay. um, and to talk about, uh, of course, everything that they are now going through. Absolutely. Um, both from what you can see in front of the it's camera and behind the scenes. Completely different vibration. Completely yeah. different. Yeah. Uh, Indeed. Absolutely. absolutely. Indeed. Yeah, Ebony uh, as well. Uh, we're, you know, we're, we're, we're going to, it's like getting off of what, it's completely different mm -hmm. when we yeah. talk to uh, the family. Absolutely. absolutely. You know, like. Like it was said, you can't imagine what it is that she's going through, um, having to, you know, experience all of this. I watched her press conference on Wednesday and the pain was palpable. So, um, so I'm grateful that she's available to speak with us and and hear from listeners this morning about what it is that's, that's gone on so far. So um, what we're going to do is, uh, of course, we are on our two stations right now. We are going to break away. Um, from our coverage on 106.7 WTLC. Um, at 9 o'clock on WTLC, we will be joining the Al Sharpton Show as we do at 9 o'clock. Uh, if you want to hear more of this show and what Miss Wynn has to say, flip your dial over to 96.3 or change your website to hot96.3.com. More of the Open Line Show as we continue to put different puzzle pieces together in this puzzle, we'll be talking with Miss Dimitri Wynn, Dre John Reed's mother, coming up at 9 o'clock here on The Open Line Show. WHHHFM Indianapolis. It's time to take a look at what's going on in and around Indy. It's Open Lines, your eye on the community on High 96.3. Hold up. And good morning to you, Indianapolis, back here on Hot 96.3 for our second hour of the Open Line Show. I'm Indy's newsman, Cameron Riddle, in the Radio 1 studios with our Community Affairs Director, Tina Cosby. Tina, good morning. Happy to see everybody, you and Ebony. It's great. Great, great, great. Ebony is working her way down the hall. She will be joining us here in just a moment. Uh, to continue this portion of the show. Well, we've got this distancing thing down to a science, don't we? Yeah, so... <laughs> I love it. I love it. I, you know, we've even got our own mic socks, I, I, you know. We're, for... We are doing what we can to stay healthy and stay separated. So Ebony, Radio Secret, usually does the show from the room next door. So she's about to walk in. Mm -hmm. Tina and I are distancing here. And now here is Ebony walking into the studio. Um, so in this second hour, the phone lines are still ringing. We have two very important people who are on 
hold. Mm-hmm. Um, it is Miss Dimitri Wynn, Drejan Reed's mother, mm-hmm. and Miss Wynn's sister, Tina. So we will have two Tinas here with us. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the first time they are speaking in a live interview since Wednesday. Um, when that press conference, which, by the way, was already scheduled to happen mm-hmm. in front of the coroner's office. Right, right, to demand the autopsy report. Yes, yeah. and 10 minutes before they were going to go live with that press conference, out walks the autopsy. Mm-hmm. So that emotion that you saw out of Miss Wynn um, was understandable when you realize what she had just gone through and then to mm-hmm. have to walk in front of TV mm-hmm. cameras, mm-hmm. you saw the raw emotion. But from that moment, we have not got to speak with her. And this morning now, ladies, we do. Uh I'm going to them in 30 seconds while I get them queued up. Tina, uh, Ebony, again, a lot to talk about still after getting another piece of the puzzle with the witness interview. Absolutely. So for those of you that maybe weren't listening in that first half of the show, um, Tina, you and I were going back and forth about being left with more questions than answers after listening to what the witness had to say. Um, What it is that they shared was very explosive. Um, They mentioned that from their vantage point and from their perspective, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Drejan did not present a threat to Officer Mercer. Mm -hmm. Um, Those were some of the things that they shared. And they shared also that they did not see him brandish a weapon or Mm -hmm. point a weapon or, or anything of that sort, which leaves you know, myself and I'm sure a lot of other people with more questions and answers because it does not line up with what we've been told is the physical evidence mm-hmm. from that that area with mm-hmm. two guns, you know, being shot off. We have two different types of shell casings. There is a lot of questions yeah. here. The witness yeah. effectively said uh, they did not, from their vantage point, uh-huh. and again, we have to make sure that we... Uh, that we emphasize this from what the witness could see. The witness did not see a gun battle. The witness didn't see a gunfight, which is what uh, initial reports were. Um, The witness uh, did not see uh, uh, Drejan point a gun or anything that she, that the witness could tell she, he, it, they, thank you, Cameron. Thank you. (laughs) I, I, I don't know. I seriously I know they, do not know. I, I don't know the, the identity or whatever. the witness. I don't know. I'm just saying. I'm just talking. So, I know. It's, it's uh, easy just to It's pick. easy just to say, yeah, yeah. they. Uh, and I should do that a lot more. But um, No, it's yeah. easy to say he or she. It's he harder she. to say they. Well, I'm, I'm making it easy. I'm going to make yeah. it easy to say <laughs> they. But, yeah, it, it, it creates a lot of questions. But I think the questions are good. I think the questions are good because it makes, you know, you, you've heard there, you've heard one version for three months and now you hear mm-hmm. another version. So I think the question should continue. Well, yeah. let's do that right now on the phone with us uh, here on the open line show and their exclusive live interview. The first time speaking since Wednesday at that press conference is mm-hmm. Mr. Mitri Wynn, Dre John Reed's mother and Miss Wynn's sister, Tina Lopez Rock. Ladies, good morning. and Thank you for joining us. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Good morning. Miss um, Wynn, um, first again, thank you for speaking with us. Uh, the last time we saw you was on Wednesday when you had, were just handed that autopsy. Let me first start to ask you, how are you right now? 
I'm better than I was on Wednesday. That's good. It's good to know. That is mm-hmm. good to know. You know, on Wednesday, mm-hmm. uh, Miss Wynn, this is Ebony speaking. When I watched that press conference and you, you know, you were filled with, with so much emotion, having literally just looked at this document that you and your family and your attorneys and the community um, activists have been asking for for quite some time. I know that it was ordered that this remain confidential by the special prosecutor, uh, Rosemary Curry. That parts can, of it. Yeah. What can you share as far as like your your overall feelings about what it is that, that you read that day? Um, what I can share is that the injuries that my son sustained were beyond um, well, just too much. Mm-hmm. It's just it's too much to to name to state. There is just ridiculous. Yeah. There's nothing that my son did that deserved that. Miss Miss Wynn, uh, without uh, you know, in terms of keeping with the confidentiality uh, request. Right. How would you characterize is is it can you characterize it or describe it or give an adjective to it in terms of what what it seems like to you? Can you do that? Overkill. You, you okay. yeah, it's just it, I can't say I can't and I'm, so due you to would, the nature, due to the nature of all of it. Uh huh. I just is. Wow. Okay. Wow. And overkill. Okay. That's, that's fair. That that's fair. And again, um, that that's a description we didn't have before um, either. Yeah. I don't think that we had enough um, information at that point to maybe have made that Um, something else, Miss Wynn, that I've heard you say a number of times is that things are being fabricated. What we're being told publicly is not true. Um, You've said that, you know, the police are lying. The mayor has lied to you on and on. What can you tell us about the the mistruth or the misunderstandings from your perspective that are out there? What is it that they are lying about? Um, they, they use trigger words, words that people will say, oh, you, you automatically went to villainize my son and turn him into a criminal, and I've said it before, and I'll say it again. There, there's not many people on this earth that can say they've gone not never a mile over the speed limit. What speed limit was he driving? You can't tell me that. Oh, he was riding. It was a high speed chase. Was it really a high speed chase? I'm only have. I only know what you're telling me, and what you've told me is basically nothing. That's why you're lying. You don't tell me anything. You don't talk to me. I ask you a question. I have to fight you in court to get anything. Anything about my son that day is what I'm telling you about and asking you about. And you don't Mm -hmm. talk to me. You talk to everybody else or you go talk to a media person. So I'm going to talk to a media person as well and tell Mm -hmm. my truth. And my truth is still my son. He gave you a live video, and you told me that live video was wrong. 
Really? Why is it wrong? It's a video. And it's a live one. It would be different if it was recorded and then given to someone. Miss Miss Wynn, the surveillance video from the Ace Lock and Key uh, place, uh, the security place across the street. What can you tell us about that? And or have you been given any information about that? Because, in in you know, in looking at that particular building, I mean, there are heavily you know camera heavy mm-hmm. camera presence all around, yeah. uh, and it says twenty four hour surveillance. So you would assume that it's a twenty four hour loop mm-hmm. uh, that is taking place. Do you have any information whatsoever in terms of what that video? shows or has or anybody has it that if anybody has it um i was shown that video um and it just appears that my son was in the car he parked the car he got out of the car and he ran away and then someone pulled up Mm -hmm. and chased him okay so the that that particular piece of uh, information is limited um, that's the portion that I was shown. The portion. Okay. Yeah. So okay. are you, are you of the belief that there's more than what you were shown or you believe that that was it? Um, I don't, I don't know. And I can honestly say, I don't know if there's more to it. Okay. Um, yeah. I haven't even seen the video of the live, so I don't know. Okay. Okay. Miss Wynn, um, something else we just, <clears throat> in, in the first half of the show, we played a, a witness interview that Cameron did mm. with this witness um, that was provided by your law office. Um, there was a, from my understanding, there was a conscious decision um, that this witness shared. It was a conscious decision for this story to come out now um, for it to be shared as far as the public is concerned. What is the strategy behind that? And what do you hope that the community does with this information what do you hope that investigators do with it what is your your hope given um what it is that's come out so far i I really hope that people will see and can with open eyes and 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 not be closed-minded to the fact that people are going to be people and people will lie to you no matter what. I mean, if there's witnesses out there that can see and they see the assumptions should stop. Because everybody's made an assumption about my son. And I'm like, that that shouldn't have been his last day on earth. Miss Ro- uh Miss Wynn first, um what what is your reaction to hearing what the witness has now said. Um, it, it, it hurts more to know that my son never got a chance to even, won't get a chance to say what happened to him because somebody saw and, can, and contest against what they're saying. Oh, he shot at him. He did. No, I didn't see him shoot anything. He was on the ground. How can it be on the ground and shoot at the same time? The witness said he's convulsing. How is he convulsing and shooting at the same time? 
there's just you can't you can't come up with a, a fabricated story mm-hmm. and expect everybody to believe it. And three months to the day, I'm saying, oh, what? That's not what happened. Can you tell us how important it is, as you just said, there's really only two people who really know exactly what happened. And that's Officer Mercer and Drejan. And Drejan cannot speak right now. But this witness is speaking off of what she saw. How important is it in this investigation? Is it to you as a mother to hear a different point of view of what happened? Another piece of the puzzle. I appreciate that the witness came forward. I appreciate that someone is speaking for my son because he can't speak for himself. You've said previously, we we know that you're a nurse, so a long history in in healthcare. Um, In one, I think it was a live press conference, um, you said words that I don't think will ever leave my head that they shot his eyes out. And um, obviously, you know what you saw. And you also have your background in healthcare. When you look at the autopsy, is there, is the detail there without going over what you can say, is there enough detail there to match what you saw just firsthand preliminarily? The details are are written, and they don't. They didn't. Some some things changed, and some things didn't. But my my son did not have his eyes. One of the things, uh, and the other Tina now here on the line, um, I want to bring into the conversation because. As Ms. Wynn just talked about, everything that she tries to figure out from day one of what happened in this investigation costs money and is a process um, that has been difficult. Um, and to be quite frank and honest and transparent, you guys need help now continuing this investigation. Yes. Tell us about about that and what it is you need. Um. With the GoFundMe, I started that because we are we gonna need so much help because this is not gonna be over anytime soon. We need to get forensic specialists, ballistic specialists. We need experts on every turn. And as you said, my sister, she's a nurse. Um, I work for the state. We don't have the amount of money that needs to be in order to pay for all those experts. The GoFundMe is going to help with that. The GoFundMe is going to show, is going to bring those experts in. It's going to show that IMPD has been lying since day one. Now, Tina, I, I have heard that when it comes, at, at least with getting an autopsy, I've, I've asked, people have asked me, did you guys get an independent autopsy? I'm hearing, and and tell me if it's if that's yes or no, that you guys were not able to get an independent autopsy from anyone here in Indianapolis because, quite frankly, they just didn't want to touch the case. 
is correct. That, is so that that is true. That's from what I know, unless Dimitri knows something different. But that's what I know. Miss Wynn, is that correct? I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. Is is it is it true that um, you guys have been tr- you were trying to get an independent autopsy autopsy done from someone here in Indianapolis or Indiana, but they just frankly didn't want to touch the case? Yeah, that that's true. They didn't want to, and if, if we we tried multiple agencies to um, get a, a second autopsy, and basically. Once they found out that it was a police action shooting, they declined it. But I just want to make one thing completely clear as being a parent. You know, you 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 do everything you can to raise your children. And for for any parent out there, I've, I've raised my children the, as, as any parent should until they leave home. I can't control anything that he did outside of anything other than what I'm what he should have been doing. But the things that he did non life threatening to someone else shouldn't have most definitely not been his last day or the murder of him. And right now these people are out here trying to protect themselves as they call themselves officials and and in part of the city and state and other states now that you have, I guess, contracts with, and now you just, you say totally decline doing the second autopsy for my son. Is it now, um, and, and, and Tina, as you're kind of heading up the efforts on, on this, um, are you now looking out of state to find, help to people who would not be connected to IMPD and state resources because it makes sense they don't want to quite frankly they don't want to burn a bridge with touching this and but that doesn't make things easier for you so are you have you gone out of state now to look for help to bring people in to be in completely independent and get you the answers that you've been looking for since May that's that's the goal the goal that's all we can do we can't look inside the city or inside the state, because the wall, nobody, they talk about a wall. This brick wall, this 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 wall of silence has been going on for three months. Oh. And the only way that we can get more help or experts to help us is someone that doesn't have a tie to the state of Indiana. Yeah, Miss Wynn, Tina, um, some of the things that, that you're describing, this is a story that we've seen, um, unfortunately, play out multiple times as we look at the number of police action shootings that we've experienced in this country. And, you know, right here in our own backyard, to be frank, um, one one question that I do have, the special prosecutor that's been appointed in this case, she's a black woman and she is also running for office to become a judge and running on a platform of diversity of thought in the judicial system and making it more equitable. Do you have, does that instill any sort of faith or confidence in you about how this process will play out with having her in charge? Um, I believe Rosemary Rose, uh, Rose Curry um, 
will do her due diligence. I do, um, I don't, I don't have any true, um, say so as far as whether it will be, um, anything political at all. What is, I'm, I'm sorry, go ahead. I just hope that the, that the evidence presented will continue to be, um, forthcoming as it's supposed to be. What is next? We have this GoFundMe that you guys need people mm-hmm. to, um, that you are asking people to help you with. If, if you don't get help, I guess, let me ask it that way. If you don't get help with this GoFundMe and, and what you're trying to do, what happens? That's a very good question. That's a, mm-hmm. that's a very good question. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts and your feelings in terms of where things are uh, three months uh, after the fact? They are nowhere near where they should be. It should not take three months to get the information we need and to get done what we need to be done. Mm-hmm. It, it was streaming live. You can't say live is incorrect. Mm-hmm. Um, it has been witnesses to come forward and speak to the state police and speak to the law firm and actually attempt to speak to INPD. Mm-hmm. Three months is taken entirely too long. Mm-hmm. They know what happened. They know what's going on. The truth needs to, come, needs to come out. It needs to be dealt with sooner rather than later. Uh, this is a little bit off the beaten path, but but any thoughts from either you or your sister on the punishment that was meted out for the uh, the uh, the detective uh, who made the open casket comment? Any thoughts on that? Can you share your thoughts on that with us? Is he a true person? Mm-hmm. Was it a real punishment? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because can't find any information on this gentleman. The name you gave was completely unfounded wow oh wow wow yeah so you're saying the name of the the name that was given publicly of the officer that was disciplined was not the correct name is that what you're saying what i'm saying is sometimes you need to tell the truth Mm. wow Uh, that name has never been said again oh okay yes 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 Okay. Better a little more. Only only name you hear is Mercy. Yes. Better yeah. a little more because everything I, there's a reason. So what happened to the other name? Truth. Yeah. So you guys okay. don't have any any information at this point mm-hmm. of what came of the officer that made that comment. That's what you're saying. The only thing we're the only thing we can say is what we do know is okay. Yep. Who was he? Yeah. Okay. All right. So yep. the information surrounding him is yeah, is, 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 is closed down, okay. I guess. Yeah. Okay. okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Another question, um, and this is, you know, a little bit outside of the specifics um of the case, but more so about how you all as a family are doing. You know, I've I've interviewed with mothers and, and wives and family of people that have been victims to gun violence. And one of the things that always comes up is, you know, they they're more than the fact that they that they were murdered. We understand about Dre John that for you all, he was more than 
this young man that has become a rallying cry and a, and a hashtag and what have you following his death. What what has your family been able to do as far as sticking together and taking care of one another in this time and trying to um, memorialize what he meant to you all as a member of your family, as your son, as your nephew? I try to make sure that even if I didn't before, and there's days that I probably go to, go do my normal day-to-day activity, mm-hmm. I try to say I love you that many more times. Because I say that to my son. Every time I see him, every time I talk to him, every time I hear his voice, I want him to know that I still love him. Yeah. Um, I, just, I just make sure that I talk to my family every day, mm-hmm. say I love you way more than I used to, mm-hmm. and do whatever I can, however I can do it, to be there for my sister, no matter what. Mm-hmm. And and Auntie Tina, because we have Radio Tina, so Auntie <laughs> Tina on the line. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, a viewer, uh, or a listener, I should say, uh, just sent me a question wanting you to explain more about why you believe that they're, you're being lied to about a version of events. Which person do you mean? That's the good question. I think they're saying that they're get, hearing two versions and, and you say that you're getting lied to. We all, we are lied. I mean, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, if you look at, well, if you've seen the live stream, I mean, you hear the tase, you hear, you hear him fall. From that point, you hear nothing. You hear silence, and then I know where you hear two more gunshots. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But they're saying that Dre John shot those two shots. How? Mm-hmm. If he was on the ground and you heard nothing else from Dre John, how did he do that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How was he on the ground? How was there a pause? And then he did that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. From, mm-hmm. Y'all was lying from that from the instant, from the from the day of. Yeah. You can't sit there and say that a live stream is incorrect. How can a live stream be incorrect? How can what you say happened be totally different than what played live right then when it was happening? Mm-hmm. How that work? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now that you've you've brought up um, the the actual shooting again, this goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Having more questions, um, it is yet to be determined how all of that transpired. But what are your feelings about that information that police have put out that there were two separate shell casings from two separate guns found at that scene? Um, how how do you make sense of that? Do you have any thoughts on why that might be? What are your feelings on that? I can't make sense of that. The only thing I can think is they are still trying to find ways to make themselves look okay in this entire situation. Um, They, to me, I feel as though they had no basis to run after my nephew they had no reason to do any of this. So now they're trying to save themselves by coming up 
with every version of anything to make my nephew look like a bad person. That's that's how I feel. Is none of what they're saying, and they know it. That's why it's been three months. Mm-hmm. They so, they know that they can't make this okay. So so, what are you expecting uh, going forward? I mean, what is there anything that 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 could be breaking at any point in time that we should know about that you're expecting, or or are we just still in a uh, somewhat of a holding pattern in terms of wait and see? What I expect is just everybody to take responsibility for their actions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We are always told that as you know, regular everyday citizens, if we do something wrong, then we are to be held accountable for our actions through the court system, however it is, and we are to atone for those actions. IMPD needs to do the same. That's what I expect. Mm-hmm. I expect that IMPD be held accountable for their actions, whether it be negative, positive, I don't care what it is, be held accountable, atone for those actions. We have to be held accountable. You have to also. Miss Dimitri Wynn and Miss Auntie Tina, uh, family, mother, and aunt of Drejan Reed, thank you so much for spending a half hour uh, with us here on the Open Line Show. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Tina? Mm-hmm. Uh, Radio Tina. Radio Tina. Okay. Uh, Radio Ebony. Radio Ebony. <laughs> um, your thoughts. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Ebony. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> On the spot much, but, you know, um, honestly, it is, again, it's it's an extremely, extremely complicated um, situation mm-hmm. that we are dealing with here. Um, I've been thinking a lot Um, about past instances that we've had here in the city of Indianapolis of police action shootings. I've been thinking a lot about um, Michael Taylor. I've been thinking a lot about Aaron Bailey. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been thinking a lot about those processes and how those those worked out Um, and thinking about now Treshawn Reed and how this process is working out. Um, I think that Um, The special prosecutor has quite a bit of work on her hands. Um, Do not envy her at all in this regard. Um, And I just, you know, ultimately, I'm a very um, human and and spiritual type of person. So a lot of times that is the route that I go. And I just hope for this family that no matter what comes of this investigation and where we go forward, that they're able to find some sort of peace. Yeah. And and my thoughts are, it, it's as, as we all have been saying, it's incredibly yeah. complex, incredibly complicated, and I cannot imagine, uh, I cannot imagine the family, you know, what the family is yeah. going through. And so in that regard, my heart continues to go out to the family. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, as far as the other, the investigation and things of that nature, um, I, I, I think more questions are being raised, and I think uh, that's that's good. I mean, I think the interview uh, with the uh, additional uh, witness uh, and that that witness's uh, account. Um, let's ha- maybe we'll have more. You know, Cameron, what do you got next week? You got somebody? Else? You got somebody else next week coming? Because that's well, that's what we need. Well, we need more. Uh, you know, we need more. Well, I committed to the beginning. I was there the night Drejan was shot, mm-hmm. and I committed from that moment that we would be with you throughout this to continue to bring mm-hmm. the pieces to the puzzle, um, whether or not some folks like it or not. Yeah, yeah but, exactly. 
I'm not deciding what the truth here is. I'm telling you what. Yeah, well, yeah. You know, I'm bringing you. I'm just telling it. Mm-hmm. I'm just telling you what is being said. I'm just reporting it. Now it's your turn to decide what is the truth as we have more pieces of this puzzle come together. And of course, this may end up in front of a judge. It's in right now in front of a special prosecutor for them to decide. You just got a brand new piece of the puzzle for the first time here on this mm-hmm. show. Mm-hmm. Now it is time for you to sound off on it. We're going to take a quick break. Call me, 317-239-9696. You have heard for the first time from a witness. And now from the for the first time after hearing that witness, you are hearing from Drejan Reed's mother after seeing her on TV, after getting that autopsy. There's a lot for us to talk about and break down. Give me a call right now, 317-239-9696. What did you think of what we just learned? More of the Open Line Show is coming up. I'm Cameron Riddle with Ebony Chappelle and Tina Cosby. This is Hot 96.3. Keeping you connected to what's happening in our city, it's Open Lines on Hot 96.3. Hey, what up, Naptown? This is your boy, Ricky Slaughterman. Check it out, and you're listening to Open Lines with Cameron Riddle and Ebony Chappelle. And we are back here on this Sunday morning in the Radio 1 studios. I'm Indy's newsman, Cameron Riddle, along with two of the most powerful voices in mm-hmm. broadcasting. Mm-hmm. Ladies, good morning. Ebony Chappelle, Tina Cosby. What's good up? Morning, good, good morning, morning, good morning. Good Sunday morning. Absolutely. We've had quite a thorough conversation so far. We've heard from a witness. We've talked with Miss Dimitri Wynn and her sister Tina Lots of thoughts and lots of conversation going on. Absolutely. The phone lines have blown up. We're going to take the rest of the time now to hear from callers what they have uh, taken in and digested over the past um, half hour, well, hour Mm. and a half. Yeah, 90 minutes. Um, I did want to, um, for those of you, I I just kind of want to reset here for folks who may not have been with us at the top of the 8 o'clock before we go back to the phones. Um, We got... Uh, Miss Dimitri Wynn and her sister, Tina, as well as the witness provided to us by um, the law firm of Fatima Johnson. Their team reached out to me and asked if I would like to have first the witness um, on an interview here on the open line show. And of course, we agreed under the condition that uh, we did not reveal that witness's identity. Miss Wynn, this was her first time being on this show. Tina, I think you've had her on your show before. A mm-hmm. um, couple times. Yes. Yeah. Um, but Spending a half hour, she and her sister Tina. Oh, Miss Wynn, I'm sorry. Yeah, yes. well, yeah, Miss Wynn. I, I thought you were talking about Miss Johnson. Miss Johnson, a couple of times. I think Miss Wynn maybe once. Um, and then today, for the first time, um, her 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 sister Tina. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, with all of this, um, this is the first time we are hearing a different side of this investigation, this story that's been going on since May sixth. Um, who you will not hear from is the police, the mayor's office. The prosecutor's office, um, the deputy chief or the chief of police uh, on this story, because now that this investigation has moved on Mm -hmm. into special prosecutor territory, they can't speak. So they are aware they were aware ahead of time of this interview that this was happening, that this witness would be speaking again. This witness has also spoken with the Indiana State Police is among at, at least is a group of witnesses who has Mm -hmm, spoken mm -hmm. to police. So there are more out there. And I was trying to find the exact statement 
that I got from the Indiana State Police, just to read it to you verbatim. But um, as when I reached out to the mayor's office, the chief of police, the deputy chief of police, the coroner and the Indiana State Police, who was speaking on behalf of the special prosecutor, none of them, of course, could speak and issue a statement. I did invite them to do that, but they all said thank you for giving us the heads up about the interview. The Indiana State Police did, though, invite anyone um, who has more information uh, from anywhere in this to contact them as this investigation continues. Let's hear from callers, 317-239-9696. Our phone lines have been on absolute fire since 8 o'clock. That's why they call it Hot 96.3. We are the fire station. Anybody? Come on. Yay. <laughs> Tough room in here. Wake up. Okay. okay. We're up. We're up. Uh, 317-239-9696. Let's take some calls on line one. Caller, good Hello? morning. You're live on the air. Am I live now? Yes, you are. Good morning. Who's this? Uh, anonymous. Anonymous, what's up? So let me first clarify my statement by saying this is a tragic incident that happened to anybody, son, mm-hmm. nephew, brother, cousin, all of that. I am not putting that that at, at, the, at the side by any means whatsoever. It's tragic. I feel for the parents. I feel for the family, okay? But I also have another side and I have an awesome, uh, another opinion, and people are going to hate me for this. But it's something that we got to talk about. Your actions that you create cause a reaction, okay? What you were doing before all this happened, all the lives that were put in danger, all the laws that were broken, I don't hear anybody saying anything about that. I'm not saying that what happened to him was correct. It should have happened. You shouldn't get killed for breaking the law. But we have to, we have to realize what we do in this society has a reaction. All the black people that are killing black people. It ain't white people killing black people in the hood. It's black people killing black people in the hood. We got to wake up and recognize that whatever we're doing to each other, we're doing it. We can't point the finger at somebody else. If I'm robbing the bank and and I I run outside, I'm going to get shot and killed because I'm doing something I'm not supposed to be doing. If I'm bragging about it, if I'm doing this, if I'm breaking the law, there's a consequence that has to be paid. Again, I'm not saying that the police were justified in doing anything what they what they did to kill that man. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying we have to look on the other side and see what our actions have caused and what what happens when we do certain things. We got to know that if we we speed down the highway at 100 miles an hour, you're endangering everybody else's life. There's a consequence that you're going to have to pay when you get stopped by the police. When you get stopped by the police, you cannot run. You cannot fight the police. The end result is you're going to die. Anonymous, I just want to jump in here. Um, First, say thank you for your call um, and to address a couple of things. Um, One, you know, you you share an opinion that a lot of people have come out with regarding the circumstances of what Drayshawn's actions were that day. Um, So you're not alone in that in that thought process. Um, But one thing that I do want to highlight is that intraracial violence, which a lot of people like to refer to as black on black violence. I personally do not, because in saying that it is it is speaking to the fact to the belief, rather, that black people are inherently more criminal and kill each other more than other races do. There's intraracial violence in every racial ethnic group in this country. Um, But as far as what's happening in this particular situation, you know, we have a systemic issue 
when it comes to policing in this country. We have a systemic issue of officers being judge, jury, and executioner in situations um, that we've we've seen it multiple times. We can run down the roll of names. You know them. I don't. I don't have to repeat all those names for you. But this is something that we're seeing time and time again. So yes, there are some complications here as well. Um, but I think that it's important for us to highlight that we need more transparency and we need reform as far as policing in this country is concerned. So that when instances like this happen, um, the community can have faith that justice will be served. And there's not even a question about that. So thank you so much for your call. Ebony, I think uh, the the caller makes a a good point. And and I think uh, as a society, and this has been pointed out, we need to be careful conflating the two. Because they're two separate issues that need adri- need to be addressed. Indeed. You have talking the about black on black, well, uh, interracial uh, and police. Yeah, yeah, we're talking about um, you know police uh, brutality and, mm-hmm. and police reform and criminal justice reform, which is what um, the uh, the George Floyd uh, case has brought up and which sparked mm-hmm. protests. All of, that's one issue, yeah. and that has been an issue that has been simmering, um, you know, within communities for years, for Absolutely. years. And then the other issue is community. Mm-hmm. You know, within your own community, we've got we've got issues here which are, are founded, you know, in economics and all kinds of other things. So, you know, but I think where we get into trouble is when we conflate the two. Indeed. So there you go. We've got lots of callers still standing by. I want to go to a caller right now on line three. Caller. Good morning. You are live on the air. Hi. Um, uh, my name is Anonymous. Go ahead. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, I wanted to actually respond to Anonymous that was just on before me. Um, I've been uh, watching uh, the coverage of uh, Rajon Reed's uh, murder, and there's there's a one of the comments that Anonymous made was that you can't uh, go in high speed chase of a hundred and something miles, and I don't recall there ever being being given a miles per hour that uh, Rajon was allegedly. Um, over the limit. And, uh, you know, the anonymous says something in regards to if you run, you're going to get uh, sh- uh, shot or stopped or whatever he mm-hmm. said. Well, we've seen countless with Philandro, with uh, uh, Castile, with Sandra Bland, with numerous people who just knew their rights or didn't move or any of those things, and they were still killed. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that yeah. we should be... Um, we, we should be attacking and, 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 and by just by saying that it shouldn't have happened, but mm-hmm. you're still attacking and accusatory. Mm-hmm. Um, we yeah. know that we know that the that the police are going to say whatever they need to say yeah. in regards to justifying their um, their actions. Mm-hmm. But they didn't say um, Drejan was driving 100 miles per hour and it's on their 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 laser gun and they can show us that. So if he went one mile over the, the speed limit, that technically is speeding. I watched the Facebook Live along with many other people. What I did see on this alleged high-speed chase was Drejan behind cars, never once driving past the cars, never once putting anybody in harm's way. So I think that what we need to do is stop adding words and, and assumptions to uh, the cop side of, of events yeah. because... But again, yeah. again, and I don't yeah, want to interrupt exactly. the caller, but again, we need to be careful conflating that because yes. when you talk about Philando Castile, when you talk about, um, you know, we're, we're talking about police use of force Absolutely. and we're also talking about 
breaking the law. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's insignificant if it was 100 miles an hour or, as she said, one mile over. We don't we can't get bogged down with facts Indeed. like that, with things like that. We have to keep, you know, we have to keep our eye on the ball in the sense that this, you know, I, I think at the heart of the Drajan Reed case mm-hmm. is police use of force. Yeah, and excessive use of force. That's the question. And yeah. that is what all these protests and things, because that, that gets back to George Floyd. Mm-hmm. When we talk about uh, taking responsibility for our actions uh, you know, as a community, that's completely different. Yeah, and it right. is. You know what? And you bring up an excellent point about it not being material as far as how, how fast he was yeah. going. It speaks right. to needing a universal understanding of what constitutes justifiable use of force what constitutes excessive use of force and we know that impd has revised their policy um other other cities have have done that Mm -hmm. but it continues to be an issue of understanding okay how do you all as Mm -hmm. a department police yourselves to see how this is working and how can you be more transparent with the community so that when things like this happen, we know yeah. this officer is going to be yeah. held accountable. And this past week, the, uh, the, the the rollout of body cams and things of that nature. Yes. So it is being addressed Which here. Which I'm sure they wish they step, had yeah, they wish at they would that have point. Had. So, but, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, that's that's at the root of this mm-hmm. particular case. Caller, Absolutely. thank you so much for giving us a call. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right, uh, ladies, we're almost to the end of our show. Let's hit another caller. Let's see who this is on line two. Caller, good morning. You're live on the Open Line Show. Hello. Hello. Hey, you're live on the air. Hit it. Oh, okay. Good morning, y'all. Good morning. Good morning. Well, uh, hey, team again. This is Mr. Henry. I've talked to you a few times before. Hi. Um, I, hey, I guess uh, I'll give you a little brief. I've been locked up in a couple times for false imprisonment. Also been a victim of police brutality, which is ongoing litigation, so I can't speak on that. And I want to remind right you, you have a minute. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, What's okay. your question? My question your was, question? Uh, did they file a civil suit in this case yet? Are you talking about in the Drajon Reed case? Yes. I, they, I, there has been a suit filed in yeah. federal court. Okay. Yes. She, she, needs, she needs to have her attorney file for a discovery, and they have to release all video and all evidence. Point blank, period. And I'm upset I think because— that goes on both sides, though. I can't— I yeah, was I was trying yeah, to think could, what date that happened. Yeah, we don't know, but that, that's that's both sides. She can file. She can file for a discovery, and then the second thing is, for the love of God, this all seems crazy because there needs to be transparency. Transparency. They can get the ballistics back. If there's another gun shell casing from another gun. Let us know so everybody can calm down and quit playing these games. Now, they have Listen, said, um, caller, the yeah, they've said they that they have another shell mm-hmm. casing mm-hmm. from two separate guns. They have said that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that has been released. But have they released that to the family? Well, because okay, the family sounds said, like they don't know. That's the family sounds like they don't know. That, that's, they, uh, there, there's a difference from someone saying it publicly versus the lawyer and the family have mm-hmm. it is the point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It could have been said public. That's what Miss Reed's Miss Wynn said. You say things on the news, but what they're saying is and when, what they know and yeah. what they know from mm-hmm. their investigation, they are having trouble getting it themselves. I don't know why that is. That's not my then, then there, needs, there needs to be an uproar in the community because it is it's Randall's responsibility. It is Indiana, it's the governors, it's the mayors. Because silence is violence. If that man shot another gun, step forward and show us transparency. If not, then there needs to be an uproar for justice for this man. That's plain and simple. Mm-hmm. For the love of God, where's the transparency? 
Thank you so much for that call. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. That's the purpose of why um, they are bringing witnesses and doing Mm -hmm. what they can forward. Because Miss Wynn said it herself that the police side is able to bring out their their statements of what happened. And we take that the if the the mayor or whoever sends out a press release, we're going to read it. It's going to be online. They can host a press conference. They automatically have a voice because they are the official um, entity in this. But she is speaking out. She's calling us. She's calling me because she's trying to say, yo, we need some help. We need more people to look into this. We need more resources because it's just a simple fact that the law firm of Fatima Johnson, no matter how great or terrible, whatever you may think of her, does not have the same resources as the Indiana State Police, the Indianapolis Metropolitan mm-hmm. Police Department, and the city of Indianapolis and the special prosecutor. Mm-hmm. That's what the point of what she's speaking out is. Some things, yes, were out, and some people have them, and some ballistics tests have been released. But what they're saying is, that's all we saw. We just saw what was on, on the news. We didn't see it. Mm-hmm. That's what they're doing. That's why the witness came forward. That's why she's speaking this morning, because they need help. And on this show, I'm doing what we said we would do from the beginning, which is continue to tell you what happens. When I said we're going to keep you updated as things develop, Mm -hmm. I'm going to keep you updated as things develop. So if another witness pops up and they say we want to put them on your show, guess what? They'll be here. If the special prosecutor decides for whatever reason they want to come on this show next week, guess who's going to be here? We're just telling you like it is. With that, we've had a powerful two hours of radio here and lots of breaking news and developments. And the calls are still coming in and the phone lines are still hot. While this portion of the show is coming to an end in less than a minute. Tina, you have a show tomorrow afternoon at one Uh, o'clock. Yes, we do. And uh, you know what? Whatever is happening at one o'clock, we're going to have it on. Uh, You know, we will probably uh, more more likely than not, of course, we'll have a recap of this show today. Right. uh, And and some of that. But we're also going to rerun. Um, a, a powerful uh, election segment that we had uh, Friday with the deputy director of the Marion County Clerk's Office who gave out so much information. And people need to know you can start applying for your absentee balance right now, Indeed. today, yeah. today, today, today. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that and, and whatever's happening at the time. I mean, it's, uh, it's a happening kind of a time we're in right now. So It absolutely is. And I'm so glad that you brought up voting because – that plays a role in this as well. It absolutely You know, um, there are elections held to decide who could potentially be um, appointed as a special prosecutor. There are elections held to decide who can be a judge, you know, in the state of Indiana to decide on these things. So it's very important to, you know, understand the facts, understand what's going on, but to know what your power is as well. And that is your vote. I think we should make a new rule for everyone who calls in and voices their opinion, which I am so glad that you do, because that's the purpose of the show. It's called Open Lines for you to do that. But between now and the 90 or so days between Election Day, I think we need to ask every caller. Are you registered to vote, and have you done the census? Oh, yeah, it happens yeah. on my show every day. <laughs> every day. That should every be the day. new rule. Every yeah. day. Yep, yep, yep. I'm down with that rule. It's a good yep. rule. I, right. I, I would love to see that rule on every show, every channel, everything, everything. That's going to do it for this edition of the Open Line Show. I'm Indy's newsman, Cameron Riddle, along with the community queen, Ebony Chappelle. We will be back here on this station live Sunday morning at 8 And join more with Tina Cosby tomorrow, starting at 1 p.m. on AM 1310 The Light and 92.7 FM. Peace.